0: Hello and welcome to "They Just Get It." I'm your host Tyler Schizm, and I'm excited as I always am to be here with my guest this morning, Mr. Rob Price. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. How you doing? Thanks for braving the snow to make it in. <laughs> Living the dream. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're almost December. I don't know. Are you Christmas in November?
1: Is that okay, or Absolutely. do you have to wait? Oh, you're full on Christmas it. guy year round.
0: Oh, wow! Do you keep the lights on all that? Leave them on when you're on, just in case there's a no. party. Everyone knows Rob's got the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: exaggerating a little, but I, I do love the holiday season.
0: Yes, I, I grew up and I think it's always a bit sad when I meet people are like, oh, you know, Christmas in my house was just not good, and, and I was like, oh, oh, it makes me sad because Christmas in my house was like a big deal. My dad was a huge Christmas guy, so by default, I also love Christmas. Yeah,
1: fantastic.
0: No, I think it's a fortunate. It's
1: it's
0: it's a great it's a great holiday to be able to embrace and enjoy. Absolutely. Rob, tell us a little bit. We're going to get into your story, as as we, as we do. But tell us a little bit about Bode, your, cur- your current project. We met through that. And someone, I had actually, a good friend of mine who built my house had told me about you indirectly. Like, oh, I'm using this new setup. And then all of a sudden, I think literally that week, someone had connected us on, on the good old Calgary, one degree of separation. Absolutely. So, tell us a little bit Small about what you're working on.
1: Yeah. it's uh, So we build, it's a digital marketplace for buyers and sellers uh, of homes. So if you think of the you know going back a little bit when i when we were coming up with this idea we were very much saying what is the best way uh or what 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 experience would i want in a home transaction that i love in the rest of my life that i love in booking travel for example last night i booked a flight in 1 minute using my credit card which and the credit card companies are even doing this Um, the ability to do that all at your fingertips on your, on your laptop, sitting on the couch in the comfort of your own home, that type of experience, of course, there's a number of those examples. I wanted to really, you didn't,
0: you didn't, you you didn't call a travel agent, wait for them to get back to you, (laughs) wait three days, Uh, miss the flight opportunity, send them a fax. You didn't do any of
1: those things. No, no. (laughs) Surprisingly, uh, just use, use my, uh, my little laptop. So So three clicks away. (laughs) So we, we had that. That mentality, that philosophy, you really wanted to take what is very much an analog world and, and as it relates to hiring agents and the cost and everything that is associated with it and bring it to real estate to empower individuals, buyers and sellers to both uh, buy and sell your home, of course, and do it through a variety of tools and data uh, so that it is a seamless, kick-ass experience.
0: It makes so much sense when you look at what are the expectations in the rest of our life. And then all of a sudden you're like, W2F, why is this so hard? <laughs> Which is like kind of the root of most entrepreneurial experiences curious and not to – I'm going to push some holes in it just for fun, but clearly you've thought through this. it on. This isn't the – like, I think this transaction is quite complex. There's a lot of variables. I'm, think, I'm channeling all my friends that are realtors that have told me, no, 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 Tyler. We can't do this online because we have to we, – we need to do this. Clearly, you guys have worked through this. Was this your brainchild? Did you bring a group of people around? Because it, it is a complex – one of the biggest transactions you will make as an individual in your life.
1: Yeah, so we – uh, I, so I started actually maybe taking a step back. I came from the fiber optics world, which is a complex industry. It's a complex regulatory environment, uh, a company called Axie. We built fiber optic networks, and it was very much predicated on the basis of you should be able to connect people and empower them with choice. So instead of okay. the instead of the vertically integrated package that you get from the typical telco, your home, your, uh, your TV, your phone, your internet all in this expensive rigid bundle over their network, we said you should actually have this high-performing fiber-based network that will actually last the next 100 years. There's nothing better than it, a gigabit speed up and down, so a 1,000 megabits upload and download speeds to empower people uh, to then choose the network how they want so de- de- okay. So this,
0: so this was in your DNA to be customer centric, because right. again, creeping on your LinkedIn, that was 11 and a half years you were with. Obviously. Right. So were you? Was that your first? Really? Obviously, we all have these influencing experiences. That sounds like that was pretty paramount for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was. So we started in Alberta with the Alberta SuperNet, and then we went to France, uh, built thirty. DSPs, departments in France, or in, or in French. My French is terrible. And then, <laughs> nice. and then, I have too. Quebec French, so it's a little bit, it's a whole, <laughs> the two of us,
0: no one will be able to understand what we're saying.
1: <laughs> well, I brought, I actually had a colleague from Quebec that we frequently went to France with okay. and nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. We no. There. And they look, they don't, French. they don't like when you, they, like, yeah, you know, they get back. French has not responded well yeah. in Paris. No, especially <laughs> in
0: Paris. You get literally almost, I think I've been spit on. Yeah, I might've really poured on the accent just to be difficult, <laughs> but that's another story.
1: <laughs> so, so that was an interesting cultural and business experience for me. Just, just being part of the that's team. How old were you at the time? At that time, very young, 23, 24. just, just the age just you should be
0: off doing an international. That's yeah. that's a, what a huge opportunity.
1: Yeah, really. How cool. did you How did you
0: end up there? What's What's the backstory of that? Because that sounds like a pretty pivotal uh, kind of root to the story.
1: Mm. Yeah, and to be clear, I was I was very junior. There was I was <laughs> I was part of the team, but certainly not leading it. Uh, we were going around the world saying what governments really value a high performing network and really see the opportunity to look ahead at economic diversification and connectivity. This all sounds pretty obvious in 2019, but in 2000, 2001, 2002, internet could have been a fad. It could have been this thing that was going to go away. So we were looking for progressive governments that really saw the opportunity because you kind of have two things in telecom. You either have a monopoly or you have competition. And essentially all the way around the world, they're monopolies, but they're not properly regulated. So how do you Ooh, that make... So,
0: that sounds problematic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So how do you make the company, you know, how do you make the big guys compete? How do you make them upgrade their network when they already have the customer? You have to come in with a When they don't quote unquote have to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And in fact, financially, they don't want to. They're making all this money. They don't want to invest in
0: more. Well, no, they're taking that capital expenditure and running it out and and basically reaping the rewards of it for as many years as they can. Putting in new infrastructure is expensive.
1: Exactly. And what is that? That's totally disconnected from the customer. So, So we had the opportunity to come in with this transformational model that said, what does a customer actually want? And we have no baggage because we have no copper wires or coax or the old infrastructure restrictions we just had the ability to be totally visionary and totally forward thinking Um, so that so France is, is one of the most progressive governments in the world on that topic and then to Singapore uh, was our next move where 1.4 million premises were connected with fiber with with a consortium? Singapore is let. interesting.
0: I've been really, I just started listening to Ray Dalio's principles, and he talks a lot about the work he did in Singapore and the kind of the way they turned that whole country around. Right. Which absolutely some of that would have been back in that in that era, or at least at the tail end of when they turned that into the Singapore that we know today. Yeah. So you had a really interesting experience to see governments with different foresight. That's that wow! What a, what a life changing experience that must have been for you. Yeah,
1: it was a it was really interesting. And and allowed me to learn really fast, which I was excited to do. Allowed I was, you or gave you no choice? <laughs> <laughs> we'll say both. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I
0: find most of the times my, yeah, my best situations is when this necessity. <laughs>
1: exactly. So kind of thrown into the fire that way, but at the same time, that's exactly when you learn fast. And what was really cool for the business is Alberta is a very rural economy where France is more regional focused and right. then Singapore is as high density as it gets. So we had the same model mm-hmm. That is very physically oriented because you have to actually build the networks, uh, but it worked in these three different domains. So, so really cool quite, proof of
0: concept. Yeah,
1: and uh, and then we built off the Alberta SuperNet. So that was as I <clears throat> as I gained traction, my career was running the team that built the fiber to the premise for Albertans gigabit speeds coming back to.
0: Gigabit speeds back in the early two thousands.
1: So this, while well, this went live, actually in 2016, 2017. Okay, so this oh, is okay, okay. The whole journey. Some, year, some years later, oh, yeah. When the market had evolved. Okay, so I understand. I'm, I'm yeah. telling the story because there's a number of parallels with with the Bode business, of course. Um, but the thing that was really excited exciting for us was how pumped our customers were. We had by far the best CSATs in the industry. Of an industry that has neg- customer
0: satisfaction scores. So anybody doesn't know the acronym, yeah. Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And we throw a lot of TLAs three letter acronyms have, around. Yes, my, and, uh, that's my father in law's <laughs> favorite joke. He loves the TLA joke. Absolutely <laughs> throwing dad jokes around here. Yep. <laughs> um, but but it was very much the the industry is rife with negativity because the it,
0: it, there's, a, there's a degree of animosity if you think of the big players, yeah. nobody goes, "Oh, I love X I love I, might, I, lo- I might love their TV commercials, but right. I don't necessarily love working with them <laughs> and we for, will we will remain nameless <laughs> exactly
1: and for eleven years we didn't hear anybody that was defending them because they're doing what they you know what they should do in, in a way for their shareholders, which is continue to have what they have and make more money and for as long as they can push the regulations out you know, have the lobby to stop the upgrades, stop the open access to the networks, which is very much what we were driving towards.
0: Complete opposite of anything customer centric.
1: Exactly. So, so I see some parallels in terms of the slowness of the industry, in terms of the commoditization, in terms of the lack of differentiation of options. So we were, we were purchased uh, at the end of, in the summer of 2018 and, and coming all the way back to your question, I right. think that was probably 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> That's, we, this is what
0: podcasts are all about, so <laughs> let's go on the journey.
1: So we, I took some time off and had a number of ideas, and one of them was, why can't I get this experience in real estate that I saw as very successful at Axia in opening up the network and, and empowering people with choice, and at the same time, I love in my in my personal life. And so that's, that's all cool. One guy with an idea, but right. it doesn't make a business. You need a team to make a business. So I started putting this together. I, I said, you know, we'll see how crazy we are. I had a conversation <laughs> with, uh, you
0: okay, gotta go run it up the flagpole and see how many people go. What are you nuts? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's a, that's a, your first true litmus test is, will other people, do other people see this vision? That's one quick test. And then the next big one is, will they actually work where well, they actually joined the team. Right. Um,
0: so yeah, there, there's, yeah, I'm, there's, there's, am I in or am I committed? Kind of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. or I, yeah, or there's a joke, I think, around that.
1: <laughs> and uh, so, so I've been able to put together what I think is an, a superstar team of people. Um, and including, so Jeff Jackson's my broker. Uh, Lindsay Skibar, I worked with at Axia for all mm-hmm. those years. So she's been part of the disruption we've done over the years. Gary Schultz, our CTO, uh, worked in, uh, in it and Silicon Valley worked with us. He's worked all over the world. He's, he's big league in the tech sense. He can do anything. Um, and then my, and this is, uh, uh, one of the most interesting ones is Alan Kelly, who has a master's in economics at Oxford. Um, he has, so, uh, and he doesn't have any direct experience in real estate, right? but that is what I believe the whole the whole industry should be operating on an economic basis as opposed to a a kind of soft science uh, opinionated basis, which a lot okay. of the, is yeah. kind of the way the agents work today. He is very much a technical expert in econ- economics and mathematics and markets. So that's a lot of where I, where...
0: So tell me, so tell me more about, like, I'm curious, but I don't, I'll be honest, I don't understand enough. So you've got this soft side, very relationship, very qualitative if you will versus going the the economist with you know forecasting and models looking at it from a very quantitative approach how's that affect like if you built the model obviously it, it makes me feel right there's fairly heavy algorithm based there's some intelligence built into this system versus just finger in the wind this is what your place is worth kind of thing
1: yeah so this is this is very much looking forward and and a lot of agents have great experience so their experience matters and that's real but what i want to do is take it to the next level which is build in the mind of a world class economist into the system on a platform that actually can track every step of the process in terms of data in terms of market dynamics in terms of pricing and f- turn that back into information for the customer to make them smarter about how they make their decisions
0: so mining the da- mining the data in a way that obviously that you can scale it and the challenge with the experience is hard to duplicate that's exactly. one individual. You know, I know that we've chatted before. There's some really great realtors in town. They've been doing it for 20 years. And there's other realtors that have been doing it for six months because they thought it was a neat side gig. Right. You know, not exactly. to undermine, but that's a, that's a reality. The barrier to entry is low, but the barrier to skill is high. Exactly. Uh, interesting. So I'm assuming that that's an ever-evolving part of the platform because yep. you need more data. You need more transactions. You need more interactions for that to happen.
1: And that will continue. Exactly. So we're, we're very early. We're hot off the press, only a couple months after launch. But that will be something that we will continue to evolve and, and transition back. And then, and then the last executive member is Jordan Allred, who uh, I also worked with at Axia. So we had... and
0: Great. So you brought... Well, you build people and you build trust, you build teams yeah. over the years. The so people that you have your back and you have theirs and you know you can work together when maybe things aren't always perfect. Exactly.
1: And, I, and I, I'm a firm believer in starting with people you trust and being able to turn that into, you know, you skip over months of how do we work together how does this yes what what am i doing what are you doing what's your style how does this all fit together you start right from day 1 charging ahead and making huge progress so we we were a bit unique in that we started the company as a company right out of the gates what i mean by that is we have a full board we have a full executive team Everyone's getting paid full, full compensation. Nice. You Just
0: didn't do the bootstraps, like guys on the weekends, pitching in time where they can. Every three months, you have to reassess who's on, who's backing out, whose wife said stop it or husband <laughs> said stop it, whatever.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> Interesting.
0: That definitely, I'm assuming that's moved you guys forward. Like, what's the cycle from when you, you know, obviously you had the idea, you brought this team together. You've only been launched in market, what, two months, three months? Yeah.
1: yeah so we were incorporated. Congratulations.
0: That's all. That's That's new. That's shiny new.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we incorporated in February and then, we did alpha beta testing in the summer and then launched in September. So it was it was a very that's impressive very rapid build and and uh, I'm a big believer that you and th- the bootstrapping all the credit to those guys. If, if you can do it that way as well, what I think is with us we had we're all investors ourselves. The board is invested. Everybody's in. Everybody's mm-hmm. in, and it's only insiders. So we we don't have the distractions of third parties as we go forward to build value and focus on the customer and engage and do all the things that we want to do. The overlords aren't
0: asking what you're doing with the money (laughs) because they're all sitting around the table to paint that picture. (laughs) Exactly. That's interesting. So back uh, we'll get into that That's so fast. That's such an interesting journey, but I understand the formula. And when you, we first met, I was really impressed on how you like, you know, we're gonna quote unquote do it right. And right is by your version. Everyone has their own version of right, it's not wrong. But you take it and by, I think the speed you were able to come together proved there's a little bit of proof of concept there that hey, this model did work and versus the two, three years idea in the basement starts, you know, that idea of like, Well, I don't I'm gonna protect it until it's perfect, then I'll give it to late today day sounds like you went out right away and started shopping around your idea, which is very vulnerable. Did you get any? Like, was that was there any dark <laughs> moments there? Where you're like, um, you know what? Well, screw you. I still believe it. I'm going to do it anyways. Or how was, how was that experience?
1: I was actually surprised that it was, I was expecting a lot of debate, but a lot of people just said, yeah, finally, that that makes sense. Yeah. I had one person, and it's a joke, it's a joke in our company, is is one of, uh, one of my guy's dads, I was golfing with him, I was, gave him a quick pitch on, he's like, oh, that'll never work. That will never work. Nobody would ever do that. <laughs> but he's the only one. To this day, where K- I've had K- yeah, yeah. a real focus group, focus group of one. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but that's that's been incredibly surprising, actually encouraging, because it tells you something. If it's that ubiquitous that people are saying, finally, I understand this concept. I I understand it quickly. I would use it myself. I'd recommend it to friends. I if I can save seventy five percent of my commissions, why wouldn't I give it a shot? Especially when there's no upfront cost. The way our pricing model works. So that's been, that's been really. Really interesting, and really exciting. Well, from
0: the marketing perspective, you know, you always look for that ability for the customer to understand what, what's in it for them right away. And obviously, there's a lot of factors, but you just said it seventy five percent of my commission. Yeah. Nobody gets excited about paying that commission. Not that there isn't realtors that create tons of value out there. That's not what we're saying. But from a customer, like I get it. That's very gettable when right. you get it out there from from a, from a story position. Going back to your your Axia days, your young guy. How was that, how was that ride? Was it always an up ride? Was there some like because I'm always looking for those life defining moments like, and I'm curious, like, grew up. Did you grow up in an entrepreneurial environment? Like, you know, the path you're on is not quote unquote the, the typical path. I think more so these days, it's embraced. If I told my guidance counselor I wanted to be an entrepreneur 20 years ago, she would have sent me to remedial training. Like, you didn't do that. Where now it's, it's so much more trendy. But did you grow up in an environment where that type of thinking was encouraged?
1: Yeah, I, I made my first investment when I was 12. So I had, I think it was, I think I had $200 and I invested it in Axia stock. So I I was sold on it early. I had had the advantage of of my dad is is an accomplished guy in business, CEO of Husky Oil. Uh, Sonterra's are another family business. I deserve zero credit. That's part of it, but that's definitely uh, my dad and his brothers and, and parents, uh, that oh, interesting. so you grew up
0: that. in an environment that, re- that really uh, showed like supported this type of approach. Yeah, oh, so that's awesome. That's so huge.
1: I, I was in business school for better or worse since I was 12, I would say, <laughs> and then <laughs> business I, school around the kitchen table. <laughs> exactly. And then I went to university and took entrepreneurship, which is actually quite a new specialization at the time Went went to California, uh, for that. And I also played tennis down there. So competitive athlete, uh, definitely a big part of how you learn how to be part of a team how do you how you lead work ethic you know sticking to sticking to uh your approach and your your goals in terms of what you want to accomplish um so the combination of those two things i kind of had the the business school from my dad and then the actual formal training in in university is the way the way i like to think of it and then he talked me into joining axia early Uh, straight out of university. Oh, interesting. So
0: that was a family-led or family-driven initiative. Yeah. That's such a fantastic opportunity, I joked on. I was uh, chatting with someone the other day and I grew up in a rural environment. My dad was an entrepreneur and as a kid, I got to kind of go to work with my dad and I didn't realize at the time that that was a rare thing to have happen and you just learn stuff through osmosis because you're just around and it was a huge advantage and I I really look back on it now and again, as I get older, my ability to look back and go, ah, I see, that makes sense. What a huge (laughs) opportunity to, to be exposed to stuff that not every 12-year-old would get to be exposed to.
1: Exactly. And I, and I was at Axio was very I was very much going to start there for 6 months. I'd planned to start a wireless ISP business. That was my mindset. Uh, I had a landscaping business that I started in in university that basically covered all my expenses uh, in the summers. Nice. So so I was doing very small <laughs> kind of small taste of, of starting a business at that point.
0: Well, small is relevant term at the time. It's, it's still, it's a business. It was so was meaningful right to me at the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. That's
1: awesome. Um, but then as you, my mindset was, I was going to start a business quickly and then I got into Axia and I had that opportunity to learn what I really, under, what I really valued was just seeing every day how these decisions are made and how a company that has been successful, you know, a, 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 reasonably sized, medium sized business, small in the context of telecom, but very progressive in the industry and seeing, coming back to your question of the challenges, mm-hmm. there's dealing with these government contracts, is very complex, all the politics around that.
0: Well, everything is put in place to stop you from coming into the market, basically. Exactly. Like and There's no room for the small disruptor.
1: That's right. And, and in the other, uh, from a competitive standpoint, there's, the gloves are off in terms of, the existing traditional telcos and cablecos will say whatever they want in a lot of cases so they're, they'll go you know you're, you're kind of fighting for your life you feel like you're in a battle every day and but that's also motivating that's also a lot of fun so I feel like I learned That's great training
0: at a really young age of like not knowing cause sometimes you're in a business and it coasts along then all of a sudden the left hook comes out of nowhere but where every day you're kind of like you're, you're ready to take someone's taking a swing at you that's a really interesting that, that creates a new an interesting normal
1: quote unquote Exactly and, and then adding the international angle to that as well you have these different challenges oh, I love across, that talk. you must have learned so that's
0: the international NBA five times over
1: Exactly and, uh, and I was also lucky too have been in service development and business development and you know on the on the strategy team and financials i had i was able to work through the organization in a really eclectic way mm-hmm. basically covered all these disciplines and made me really confident uh going forward that i was able to when we were ultimately uh got to the point where we were acquired i was fully confident in in jumping on my next my next project <laughs>
0: What a great learning to be able to move through the organization. So curious. I'm just asking. This could be nothing. I'm just any ever any challenges of. Uh, oh yeah, his his dad owns the company
1: all the time. <laughs> I'm sure that had to be all the time. <laughs> all the time. It doesn't help that I kind of look like him. I kind of sound like him. We have different brains, but there's a uh, you know, and we're close. We're we're also good friends. So going for lunches together and and people see the
0: optics around that, especially in big organizations where everyone's kind of fighting for theirs a little bit.
1: Exactly. So I, so I think that was, you know, that's, that's part for the course, uh, in a way, but I, it actually motivated me more to work harder, to be better, given people's perception of those optics, which right. I knew, I knew fully what I was capable of, but you know, the, and the people that were closely with me saw that too, but that, But then there's the ones that didn't and outside parties, it's easy to say, well, that's just, he's just, you know, hooked up because that's his, uh, that's his family. But I kind of run it all the way back to family businesses versus non-family businesses outperform. So on average, global average. Uh, because you have... Especially
0: but, the first couple generations. You know, exactly. there's some, there's the, the pennies to poppers and three-generation story, yeah. where that first and the second generation, you often... And you, if you run anything out long enough, there's some stories where it goes the other way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which there's some very popular Canadian-like stories that are successes that are no longer that way. Yeah. But being that first and second generation and being able to, quote-unquote, kind of work with your dad... And then did he did he architect a little bit of the, you're going to work here, you're going to work here, or was it just the natural progression? Cause that sounds like an amazing way to set you up for success in the future.
1: Within Axia, you mean? Yes. Yeah. 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 So he to was... be able
0: to work and move through those different areas to really gain different perspectives of the whole, like to be able to get that view from 30,000 feet.
1: Yeah. I had, he was, I was part, I had other bosses in the organization through that period and kind of moved around. So he, he wasn't directly involved in all those decisions. I'd had, I had other really great people. Murray Sigler is, is an example. He was the president of the company for a number of years and was a great mentor and exceptional people skills and really knows how to run an organization. So I learned a ton from him. Uh, and combination of him and Art, my dad, was was a great... I just saw that as a great... They were a great combo and a, a great combination learning experience for
0: me. Interesting. Were they, were they the kind of typical different guys bringing together to create one, like a broad perspective. Like, were they different enough that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they know it about themselves.
0: (laughs) That's a huge strength. I think if you surround yourself with people like you, I think that can be, because y'all get to the edge of the cliff, nodding together.
1: Exactly. Versus
0: someone going, Whoa, I think that left turn is problematic.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I'm a full believer in a totally diverse leadership team. I have it in my personal life. You can, you look at stand all my friends beside each other and say, none of these people, Make sense together all, that's all, I love that <laughs> they 're all totally different. The one thing they have in common is they 're a really good human, so I mm-hmm. take that whole philosophy uh, into business as well, which is are you a good person? are you reliable? Are you excited about about making change and <clears throat> and driving impact, and if you share that passion then I want actually a totally different perspective. I want a different expertise. You want the opinions, you want the debates because that just makes you better.
0: It's so interesting. And that's to me, it's such a, A great example of if you have shared values, the disagreements are just learning and opportunities. If you don't have shared values, those are that's when the deal breakers come. Like I find that's when, whoa, ethically or I don't I don't think I don't like the way you're approaching that. Versus like oh that's a different theory. I didn't have that. Let's debate it. So as a leader, how do you? I'm always curious to that. Like leadership is such an interesting thing. Gets thrown around a lot. A lot of people get promoted into positions with like hey you're good at the thing. You should be the leader. That's a great idea. You have no training, no support. So how do you manage those disagreements? If you've got that group, like it sounds like you're putting. the A team, but the A team doesn't always get along. Right? How do you manage that as a leader? What's your What's your approach to because you still have to get to a unified point together, even with different perspectives?
1: Yeah, I think it's 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 a challenge every day, and and there isn't one answer. I would say it's it's how do you? But how do, the overall thing is how do you make sure that people feel empowered to get their opinions on the table, and and that's a bit of a balance too. Is you want people to be totally accountable for their role and be You know, speak from their perspective and not say that I'm, you know, I'm an expert in this, but you're, I'm, and I don't really have expertise over there, but you should do that. That's when you have a lot of, a, a lot of dissension and a lot of the conversation can kind of go the wrong direction. I've known, so, few, I've known a
0: few engineers like that every time. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas dinner can be entertaining sometimes. After a couple of hours of wine, I'm like, you should do this. I'm like, okay, I know you're an engineer, not to make too many jokes about that. But, you know, it doesn't give you the right to be the expert in
1: absolutely everything. <laughs> exactly. So so it's kind of... I'm, you... I'm going to get some
0: hate mail from engineers now for, for that statement I just made. I,
1: uh, and and I've been around engineers a lot as well. And so, and so I'm fascinated by these different expertise and... Sometimes ideas can come out in a totally unexpected way. So you want to foster an environment and a culture where people can get their ideas on the table. But at the end of the day, you need a leader to say, this is what makes sense, and this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. But I And that's contemplating every everybody's input. Yes. So in some cases, they're part of creating the plan. In other cases, I've got the plan, and I'm bringing you on board. Um, but the main thing is it's all about the team and that's why I was kind of harping on my leadership team and how awesome they are. You could be the most. No, I appreciate you. Shout the shout out to them. (laughs) And yeah, absolutely. Brilliant person in the world and, and go at it alone. You have no chance, not in a business. You could be a consultant, but if you and you know this in your own business. It, it all comes back to the caliber of the people that you work with. Well, to
0: be able to unite that team on a shared vision, and you know, it, it, I heard a great. This is a leadership quote I've carried around for years. My friend, buddy, of mine was in uh, Air Cadets. The art of influencing human behavior as to accomplish the goal is predetermined by the leader. And so much about that quote I love because it was the art of influence, because that's what it is. And yes, there's a predetermined outcome, but that ability to bring those people together. And when it does happen, th- there's those magical moments. It doesn't always happen, but you, if you're always aspiring to it, and when it does, you, all of a sudden you make this big leap ahead and you look back and go, wow, like a quarter ago we were here and now we're this far forward. Yeah. No one is going to row that boat alone that fast.
1: Exactly. And, and in my case, and I kind of think of each leadership challenge is different. Like my leadership challenge at Axia is very different than boat. Mm. Um, I was work I had a senior position there with a team of 70 people, very much, but very eclectic. I'm working in a different culture. It's not my culture I'm working in. Uh, the other in arts culture, in this case, uh, the CEO. So I, you kind mm, of interesting. you're okay. working right. as a team member within that, and where in Bode I have the ability to impact that and set the set the cultural statement uh, myself and working with the team, of course. And that so that's really exciting. And then <clears throat> and then the ability also to, you know, the biggest challenge we actually have at Bode is we have too many ideas. It's not, not enough. A,
0: that's, I like to call that as a success problem. <laughs> still a challenge though. Absolutely. It's a success problem for sure.
1: And one that I Too love many to good think. ideas. Oh, I hate these meetings with too many good ideas. Yeah, <laughs> we have this problem. We have six people that are really excited about and have ideas of how we're going to solve them. And we're all debating the best way to solve the problem. That's actually awesome. As you say, it's a great problem yeah. to have.
0: But you still, ha- it still needs leadership.
1: And, and especially in a tech business, when you can do anything. You, yes.
0: you, but there's always a trade-off. There's exactly. always a con. Nothing's free, quote-unquote. Mm.
1: Right. So so coming back to your, your main leadership question is how do we – I would just say it's in this situation, it's how to really get – keep us focused because we have such big brains around the table, so many ideas, so much creativity. How do we get it all onto one track that we can execute on efficiently and connect with customers at the same time? So we make sure that the customer engagement we call our, our co-creation process – is intricately involved in our plans going forward because we could come up with what we think is the most brilliant thing. Yes, yes. But if they if it fall if they see it and don't understand it, don't like it, don't need it, don't value it, then we just did a bunch of work for nothing. So it's always about continuously testing and sounding the marketplace and having them provide their feedback and that creates this co-creation culture which ultimately creates the best customer experience.
0: I think that is so valuable. Without giving away the secret sauce, how do you approach that? Do you have a group of people that is kind of your on-call beta do you have the old Amazon story where you have the one seat at the table that is the customer seat? No one ever sits in and you're always <laughs> going to say, what's the customer think? I love that. That's a, that's a good that Jeff Bezos cool. story. Yeah. But so how do you do that? Because I think a lot of companies, anyone listening are like, yeah, I want to do more of that. But sometimes it's easy to just get lost inside your own four walls.
1: Exactly. And, it's, and especially when you're trying to move fast and, and now you're trying to, you have to introduce conversations and, and kind of go down that path. So we started. We start with what we call customer centricity as our core philosophy. So it's a single view of the customer, and that is that's a digital view. So with this account, you can see absolutely everything the customer has done with you. So your customer support is high performing. You can give them the information back that they need. You have the ability to track success. You you know the sentiment. You see all that. Um, it's also why we started with alpha testing, then beta testing, so okay. that we we had the platform basically ready in June in a number of, you know, in four months, five months of bill, which was hyper fast. Um, but we didn't know what it was until you start putting it in front of people and getting their feedback. So.
0: Cause yeah, want, you got to let some people walk through the maze and make sure that they choose the shortest points between what they want and where they started from.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you start, you start with friends, family on that basis because they can be more frank with you and we'll give you some more time to really work through it. Cause they care about you, of course. And then that becomes what, what has turned into hundreds of beta testers now that we, we continually sound when we bring out a new feature. Uh, we just launched new navigation, for example, last week. We'll be sounding them on how do you like it? Does that make sense to you? Is, the, does the, is it intuitive? Is it easy? So every time we release a substantial feature, we will ensure that they get it. We do one to two weeks of full testing with our beta customer testers, our co-creators incorporate that feedback and then press go from a market perspective.
0: That is to me, the quote unquote, the right, the right way to do it. I know there's many ways to approach things and what, what tools are, I'm, because I'm going to get a little bit technical because I think it's always, I hate listening to this full, I always listen to these speakers. And then at the end they're like, ah, shit, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so do you guys use very specific tools for that? Are you on the phone? Do you physically talk to them? Is it a combination?
1: Yeah, it's in in this case, our target market doesn't want the phone call. Yes, <laughs> okay. they, they want see the original
0: profile of what's <laughs> about the customer.
1: You said digital, gotcha. Exactly, and 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 particularly the the tech savvy uh, demographic wants to chat, wants email, want and so so we do surveys as well. Um, we do that all through a system that tracks all that information into a consumable format because it is it's one thing to ask the question; it's actually another talent to consolidate that information put it all together and then make a decision based on the priority of what makes the most sense and and what's qualitative
0: what's quantitative that's an interesting just sifting through data is one thing insights are something else and then actions again are a third piece of that
1: exactly so we have we have fully integrated systems we have crms we have our platform of course and then uh, a number of tools that we use but it all it is about bringing that all back to a decision-making table where you say, okay, there's these 500 ideas. We, we know we can't do all 500. So what are the 10 that make the most sense and have the most impact to value into the customer experience? And then within those 10, what, which one, two and three do we start with? Uh, so it's like a refine and refine and prioritize and reprioritize type process and then implement, um, because if you try to implement five hundred things, we all know that that's not really going to work.
0: <laughs> hey, any challenges on talent acquisition? Because I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and especially in the tech space, sometimes getting people to come to Calgary or the shortage of talent pool uh, from a technical perspective, especially when it comes to digital, has that been a challenge for you, Uh
1: At this point, no. We've got we've got a great team. We don't have. It's not a big team, of course. At this point, we're very lean allows us to stay low cost and and have the pricing that we do and be successful in the market um so it hasn't been yeah we're not known for for developers specifically okay. as, as a, yeah I was just curious especially Calgary, that deep Calgary that deeper camp. pool um but I've found that it's been so far it's been pretty good as we expand i you'll have to you know, we, a number of the relationships that we have were from previous Axie engagements and other, other businesses. So, but that doesn't, as you expand, that doesn't necessarily cascade across on right. a company of hundreds. So uh, I anticipate that as a challenge, but currently it's not.
0: Okay and currently you're in uh in Ca- like this is for a is this is a Canadian platform is is there different regulations from a transactional perspective province to province I'm only assuming you're nodding I'm only assuming there is
1: <laughs> Yeah so we're we're <laughs> Back all- to the
0: regulatory which you're very familiar with <laughs> Right
1: right exactly Um so in Alberta we're we're province wide today uh with our offering we have listings around the province Nice uh focused on Alberta first because um, I we we're from Alberta of course um and we're we really want to make sure the recipe is working, the co creation is working, okay. work out any kinks that we may have, um, and then and really drive the value here and then take it across Canada, uh, and then ultimately into the US. But to answer your question directly, uh yeah, every province has its own set of regulations and in fact it's even more granular than that. There's mo- there's boards. So in Alberta, there's ten boards, each board has its own sets of oh, circumstances based on, based and
0: on districts and regions yeah oh interesting so, oh. so your past experience is going to come in really <laughs> handy here
1: <laughs> yep battle hardened so, so that, <laughs> battle so tested good. yeah absolutely. but they've, they've been great to work with so far so it'll it'll just be then moving from alberta to bc there's just a, bu- a number of more boards to work with and work out the kinks with um but at the end of the day our model uh doesn't rely Really holistically on the regulations because we are looking forward with with the business model right. that we have that is differentiated.
0: And like so many things, this this is not a push; it's a pull. The, the, the customers are going to want. Are, you know, nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. There's, I think that's an old Wayne Dyer quote from way back. <laughs> um, but when you look at that, like you said, everyone's like, "Well, yeah, shit, I want this. This is makes my life makes my life better, makes my life easier." So interesting. What a, what an interesting journey you've been on. So just for the platform, I've got a. Three hundred thousand dollar condo. I've got a one point two million dollar infill. Both welcome. Is it is it yeah. focused right across the board? I assumed yeah. yes, but I wanted to get some clarity around that.
1: Yeah, uh, condos, townhomes, uh, individual doesn't doesn't anybody doesn't, yeah. any any form of housing basically works. Um, f- only focus on transactions at this point, not rentals. So there's okay other good good players like RentFaster.ca that are doing that, um, but we're very much focused on uh, any. We're open to any type of customer with any type of of home
0: how is the realtor market responding to this uh, this this disruption this this uh, change in their way of life
1: <laughs> yeah it's been interesting uh the some of the more notable realtors have said this is really interesting really cool uh and then there's been some other uh i would say some negativity in terms of we're just another one of these providers yeah that's fair um which is you know the the idea of selling your home yourself has been around for a while um but the uh, the technology wasn't I would say even five years ago wasn't mature enough familiar enough yet to do a type of deal like this, um let alone fifteen years ago and these other these other providers have an agent approach still, so it's what I call the hybrid agent approach, so they okay, so busy. they didn't
0: necessarily change the model, they just used technology to augment. Yeah, what was already there.
1: Yeah, they have. Okay, okay. Exactly. So we're the guys saying no agents go all the way to the wall and say customers, buyers, and sellers in a marketplace can transact directly with this technology, with this experience, without an agent needing, without the consultancy of an agent uh, throughout the process. Because that information is just sitting there in the for, in the form of, you know, pricing comparisons are sitting there. The ability to save your own search, do your own, do your own, um, your own searching overall. Um, all the ability to negotiate your deals, everything is sitting there baked into the experience.
0: Because you have a realtor as part of your part of your team, correct? If, if yeah. so a,
1: he's our broker. He's a, oh yeah, okay, broker. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So we have one broker that that allows us to be licensed in these 10 boards across the province. Uh, um, right.
0: Yes. To make, cause you still have to comply, right? Exactly. Okay. And part of
1: that compliance is we don't provide opinions. We provide support. We can help you out. But in terms of telling you what to do, that's not, we're not mm, interested. Our business model doesn't, isn't based on that proposition, nor do we believe our customer wants that. The customer okay. actually wants to be able to do what they want uh, with the information empowerment. Themselves. Well, everything is
0: so much more self-directed. You know, again, I've said this a couple times in the show at a Google conference last year and they, they broke out the buyer's journey for automobiles, 31 touch points before they ever go into the dealer. That was a year ago. So I'm sure it's gone up since then. That is so much more empowered and it's not, and, and so little of that is controlled by the OEMs now. So you might watch yeah, a video or a commercial that the car manufacturer put out, but the bulk of that is going to be somebody giving his own armchair reviews, you know, the, the road and track test that somebody does over there. We're so much more informed that we go in, it almost becomes just a transaction when we get to the dealer. I don't need to know, f- find out what's the right car for me. I've already done all that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But so if you see where, you know, because basically, house kind of car is your next big, is your next bigger purchase that I think right. is becoming more transactional
1: all the time. Exactly. Because I
0: can do my, I can do my own thing. I actually want to. <laughs> yeah. I'll work my way down my own funnel kind of thing. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think of the, the agent world, you know, in real estate, you go back 30 to 40 years, even 20 years, that was a, the value was in the human network. It was was the ability for agents to talk to other agents, send out their faxes, (laughs) send out their faxes, (laughs) do call call from their car phone, maybe if that was uh, if that was around. But the whole thing, it was very much how do you get your property out there if there is no digital network? Of course, there was the human network, so huge value there in terms of actually connecting people together, leveraging that human network. But then once the digital network showed up now people can do their own research. They can do their own filters. They can look at their own pictures. They can.
0: At their own time, at their own convenience, in their own way, sitting in their underwear, on the couch or whatever they
1: want, whatever they want to do. Exactly. And, and because we do that already, you know, in the rest of our lives, that's now it's a common. That's my kind of my point about the, where technology is now to the point of it's familiar. It's normal to do, to think this way and, and, and live your life this way. So we're very much in the sweet spot, I think right now of, of the window of people that think that way.
0: In terms of the front, yeah, the front edge of that, that wave, that curve, even when you look back and you and I are different, like I'm a little older, but we, I remember when all of a sudden, oh yeah, buying books online, that's just normal. It's like, oh, I wouldn't buy anything online. Then all of a sudden, well, I ordered my books online. They showed up; was great. Well, that worked out well for Amazon. So, you know, all of a sudden, they just slowly got people more and more comfortable. So, you've really got an opportunity to benefit of every every innovation that's come before you. That's just retrained, and you've got every time you've got new generations coming on board. And when I see my father in law booking his trip all over the world that they're on right now using his iPad, and he's sixty five, I'm like, (laughs) you know, there's really no barrier because I think everyone's kind of coming into the middle that way a little bit. And you've got a younger generation that would, well, they demand it they won't do business with you if it's not seamless and kind of on their on their own time.
1: Yeah, and you know, last year 5 trillion dollars US was transacted on e-commerce, so it's happening. It's it's undeniable <laughs> it's trend, a little bit of money going going around that way. But and certainly it's got to the point where people don't like if I go, you know, I if I'm buying a car to your example, I do all the work myself, I research all the reviews I look at, I go deep on the engineering side because I'm a car nerd and I love that stuff. Nice. And by the time I walk into the dealership, the sales guy that's trying to tell me stuff knows less about it than I do Cause he, because that's an interesting I've done experience. that much work. So not mm-hmm. only do you not want the high-pressure sales situation, the person's not actually giving you any new information. So that so for from an efficiency standpoint and from an experiential standpoint, just let me buy it online. Let me let me deal with it online. So homes are what you call big ticket purchase, and mm-hmm. that and what we've seen is over the last four years, seventy five percent of the population is more likely to buy a big ticket item. Four times more likely to buy a big ticket item. It's changing so fast, right? Exactly. Now. So so cars, as you as you say, that was you know you take Auto Trader, some of these other peer to peer marketplaces. They've been around for a while, but they are now commonplace. People people do that regularly, especially
0: Well, it's where I do my research. It's where I get a gauge on what something's worth. Or I'm like, exactly. oh, I wonder if I should trade my car. I don't know. Well go on auto trader. And you know, I used to buy them when they were the magazines at the seven eleven. Or I grew up in Quebec so we're at the Depanur. i go and buy <laughs> the, the auto trader and do that. And now you go online and it's a it's a research tool. So I'm spending so much time in that platform. Even if I'm not, I'm at the very early stage of the buying cycle, it's still where I go to to quote unquote learn, self educate.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So so that's become so normal um that there's a... There's a movement towards applying that to now larger assets like your home, and with the driver of the experience, of course, but then as we mentioned, saving the money, which is real equity. It's interesting. Yeah, like that's something
0: I can touch. That's something I can think about very tangibly. If mm-hmm. you
1: take a million dollar, million dollar average apartment in Toronto, since mm-hmm. they're so expensive. Yes, they are. Um, mm-hmm. And assume people have two hundred thousand of equity uh, in that million dollar place. You sell for five percent. That's fifty thousand dollars in our case would be one percent so ten thousand so forty thousand of savings that's forty thousand that's four percent but it's uh, a substantial amount of your two hundred thousand yes. so that so that's become that. I think that's lost a lot on the. That's consumer an interesting way
0: credits. to reshift it. You're like, oh, it's only five percent. It's only forty thousand against a million. But you're right. That wasn't really your million. Right. The two hundred thousand was yours, and the forty thousand on top of that are, are taken away from that is significant.
1: Right. So now that's 30 percent of your cash is gone to. Yeah, that's sales nice because you're, you're,
0: you're absolutely right. But we don't. I, we've been conditioned to not think of it that
1: way. Right. And then and then the ability to and we, we found partnerships have been really excited. People have been really excited to work with us whether they're a tech provider or a uh, local advocate or DIY providers because they see that, that that transaction, our model creates more capital for the consumer and the ability for them to spend it. It's an upside a, for both for both groups. Yeah, yeah in, a, in a higher value way. So now you can upgrade your, your kitchen with that amount of money. You can add that porch you wanted to or you can start your kid's college fund you can get a better car. Like the, that 30, 40 the,
0: grand example <laughs> is great because you can do a lot of good solid rentals for that 30 grand number. <laughs> exactly. Oh, when I want yeah, build the porch, out the kitchen, do the bathroom. Those are all those 20, 30 grand.
1: <laughs> and feel great about it because you earned it. You you were the one that sold or bought the property yourself, saved that money. And of course you can do whatever you want with it, but. Of course. But fi- no, it's good to keep it in perspective. being excited about the opportunity to make their next home better because they now have that, They've saved that money and they can do something. Well,
0: back them. to and I think you, it's what we started with is what's important to them. Back to customer centricity. So curious, where do you, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a tech entrepreneur, where do you look for insights? Are you going to conferences? Are you looking at things globally? Like what keeps you? Because you're you're a good good CEO. You're trying to intersect the reality of where the world's headed and where you're headed. And three years from now, everything unites and, and you know angels are singing. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, that was a stretch. But uh, so sounds, yeah, where, sounds like a good vision to me. Yeah, me where do second. you get your inspiration?
1: Hmm. I I don't actually look at a lot of business stuff. Okay. I I keep up with the news of course, I keep up with the economy, all the the macroeconomic influences, but I like to actually think differently. So Sam Harris's podcast, I don't know uh, if you're yes, familiar I am. Yeah, is, is Sam example. likes to go
0: super deep. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and I and on a variety of really important and interesting issues. Uh, interesting, right on. Um and I so and I'm a you k know, that's one of the reasons why I, I was excited to come on here. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I read since I read fourteen hours a day for work or whatever it is yes i it's nice to be able to listen. My eyes are tired, so I like to be able to listen when I drive to uh podcasts that are exploring anything from politics to human behavior to um you know various humanity issues.
0: Uh, very interesting a broad perspective a broad perspective so what are your top so Sam Harris what are your go-tos what's on your what's on your podcast list right now
1: yeah Sam Harris would be the top Uh, I also like I'm into sports a lot so so first take is another one Um, and then I don't really, I kind of just float around after that.
0: There's so much amazing content out there. It's a little bit even why I got into it. I was like, you know what? I'm a consumer. Maybe I'll give back a little bit. It was kind of that same journey. And also there was so many great podcasts, but I didn't find a lot of really good local content. And I, you know, considering the last three to five years, I'm like, there's a lot of good stories to be told. Yours being one of them in Calgary, it's not all doom and gloom. So maybe somebody should tell those. I'm like, well, maybe it should be me. And anyways, here we, here, here we sit one year later. You did it. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Know. It's a really interesting also it's such a good medium and I heard Rogan was talking about this the other day of the retail news, the sound bites, the two minutes, he goes, I, he goes, I do long podcasts because if you really want to understand someone's perspective of something, you've got to really have a dialogue right. and you can't get that in a two minute sound bite that ends on the six o'clock news. Exactly. But yet some of us are making big decisions and forming our belief structures around it like bah, 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 done. <laughs> that was just edited to get a certain message across. Like it's kind of dangerous almost because you can make anything sound like just about it. I'm sure we could take a couple of lines out of what we said today and be like, oh my God, did you hear what he said? <gasps> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But if
0: you listen to the whole thing, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of understand the context and you know. <laughs> But anyways, if someone's doing that to us, I think we're already winning. So that's great. Yeah, we'll,
1: we'll edit out the oxytocin comment and the sexual hug that we talk or conversation. Well, we're going to do the hug about. after. I like some good oxytocin. <laughs> it's not always
0: sexual. I don't know. i have like, stop making it weird. Rob, don't make it weird. Um, uh, you guys, and that's why we don't do video. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: so the other, yeah, I really like TED Talks as well as, as, a, good, as a good medium on a variety of topics. I, I would also add, and coming back to that human-to-human experience that, that we both value, talking to other entrepreneurs is probably the most excited I get is just, and I did this for a number of months after Axia before Bode, sitting down going for beers or coffees or even, you know, being on trips with some friends where you just can go deep and, and explore opportunities and, and explore their mind and look at their view of the world and your view of the world. And, the commonality being wanting to make the world a better place and yes. having a substantial impact in a positive way. Life is short. So how do we make, how do we leave the world a better place than when we entered it? The so, and how we found it. So I get my, I get a huge, huge inspiration from that. And also, of course the family discussions and, and, uh, other dialogue that you have when, when you sit down with a customer, whether it's a builder customer or potential consumer customer and, Walk them through what you're thinking and and get a sense of how they think. I get a huge buzz off that because that it really does. It's the true testament of the test of what you're actually doing. Is that interesting to them? Are they engaged, or are you kind of talking to?
0: And how does that differ from your perspective? Cause you know, your perspective is exactly that. It's just yours. So I love your, that's an this intense curiosity for human nature that I'm hearing coming out in you. It makes more sense. Now when you unpack it, it's like, Oh, you saw this situation, but it wasn't just like, Oh, we're going to build an online portal to sell homes. No, we're actually going to curate a human experience in a way that humans are going to resonate with. And that's what I'm hearing coming out, which I think is like, what's the, the thing behind the thing behind the thing. <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I've always, I've always really liked to read people and understand people and, connect with them on a deeper level so doing that on a not I apply that in my personal life of course but also in how you hire a team and then how you connect with customers it's all about that interconnectivity and at the end of the day you know as a CEO you have these three things that are these three pillars that are critical in your role first is customer happiness second is employee happiness and success and then shareholder success. Those are the three things you're always working with. Yes. And you have to start with the customer success. But getting them in the right order is key. It's and all that's, about the sequence. I, I love how you're laying them out there. That's so key. I'm drawing a map on my leg here. Yeah, he's doing the one, two, three. Absolutely. <laughs> but...
0: But, well, the old model was starting with number three first. And exactly. you talked about that with the telcos. We'll keep our shareholders happy, but we're not going to worry about the customer and who even cares about the employees. Exactly. What did I hear? It was? It's, I think it was one of the talk speakers. like, if your employees don't love you, how are you going to expect your customers to love you? And it's so basic. You know, he, he was the, the speaker as he or she put forward that, you know, obviously employee happiness is first because if you got that right, they're going to then make your customers happy. But I think there's a fight for number one, if you can yeah. put, sometimes I like to put multiple things in the number one because they're important just
1: from different perspectives. Exactly. Well, and I, and I like the customer first because, and then the incentive structure that we talked about in terms of their, their satisfaction, if you can get them there, then it's fun to come to work. Yes, it is. Yeah. Now you've got a great working environment because your customers love you because you built something that they really value. And then you turn around and say, this is really working. Shareholders are happy. So the sequencing. Well, those number three
0: kind of almost takes care of itself. Exactly. And I think you're so right. It's like a lot of
1: people miss that, I think.
0: No, no, you're absolutely right. It's good to think about because it's so, we, you put together these complex human structures, but I think fundamentally as humans, if we want to get back down to it, Like knowing that you created value, knowing that you made someone else's life better, I think there is a lot of universality to that. Like, yeah, we all have different ways that we approach it, and the engineer looks at it this way, and then the HR person looks at it this way. But fundamentally, if you've got a group of people that are like, we love what you're doing, that is hard not to have a positive influence on your day no matter who you are and how you see the world. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because we are still just humans having experience. You know, It's not that long from when we lived in the village and when we supported each other and it takes a a village to raise a a child and all those old sayings. When you think of it from a company perspective, I love how you did with bringing a real lot of smart people together doing something that has very tangible positive impact but then going back to the well constantly going how about this did you like what we did how about that right. and being obsessive about it is what you heard yeah. which sounds like that is your dna from a human nature perspective
1: yeah and and all the tech in the world tech is fantastic in a number of different ways it's super cool but it really is only good at driving when you boil it all the way down it's only good at driving efficiencies so the it's it's actually the experience is, and the connection with people can never be replaced by technology. You can create a you can create a great experience and a efficient one, but at the end of the day, your, your relationship with humans, other humans is, is based on, in my view is based on your real life interaction. It's
0: so interesting. the concept because the efficiency almost allows the other to happen because if I'm frustrated by everything that I'm dealing with and it's taking me twice as long, I get less space for the other thing. Exactly. But if I finish selling my home and I walk out going, that was an amazing experience, then all of a sudden that room to get some more oxytocin in my life is very high. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll do a fact check after if anyone doesn't know about oxytocin, go read about it. You want it, it's amazing. It's not just about sex, just to be clear.
1: <laughs> so and I, and, and as a reply, I think our our generation, our young called the millennial crowd and younger has a bad rap for not having the perception of not wanting to have that human interconnection because you just live on our phones. But I mm-hmm. think actually that's not true. If we want the efficiencies of technology for the things that where the human interaction, we don't want like that hard pitch sales yes. guy at the car dealership or the agent trying to tell you what to do if you're, if that's not your style. Um, so automate and use technology to deal with administrative and logistical things And then that turns free more of your time to connect with real people, your friends, your family, your colleagues, whoever it may be in a real way that truly energizes and and gives gives you that sense of belonging
0: it's such an interesting reframe to take it from oh they don't value human connection no they just have a high demand for good versus not good or you know additions versus detractors right. that's a really interesting because you're right I don't want to bother with that because I want more time for this right. I want more time for the coffee or the connect or that peer group or the mastermind group whatever you want to call it those people in my life they're going to challenge me but if I'm so busy with all these transactions that I honestly don't care about but I know need to get done it doesn't give me enough space Exactly. <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it I like the reframe because it's so easy the one generation looks down to the other which has happened over and over and <laughs> over again we're acting like it's a new phenomenon you know i had a, a friend of mine who uh, runs ken bork air senior guy finance guy kind of grizzly old guy and we were at a conference once and he goes uh john harmer's name is such a good dude and but just has a perspective of life where it cuts through everything and we're at it, some conference and everyone was complaining about the millennial factor and he looks at me and goes tyler you think when i was 20 with a saxophone in my hand and a joint behind my ear. Every, anyone thought I'd amount to a row of beans? Well, I guess it worked out, eh? So I guess we should just get over it and realize that that's just the way it goes. And he walked away, mic drop. I'm like, well, there you summed it up, John, pretty much. <laughs> you know, and this guy's running a you know, multi-million dollar organization, you know, worked in finance all over the world. But his perspective on it was pretty much like, come on, this is just the way it's been. Let's go through the cycle. Maybe we can learn. Maybe there's something we can take away from that versus just criticizing it and shitting on it. <laughs> yep.
1: You know, we see you see that with the way millennials operate now. We're learning from our from our baby boomer parents in a variety of ways. Um, you know, we're getting married later as opposed to, you know, yep. I believe it was average age of twenty four versus now twenty nine. So it's taking us long longer to settle down. We're traveling more, it's both less money now, but also that's that's something that our it was more difficult and more expensive for our yes. parents to really see the world and really uh, experience different cultures,
0: broaden our perspectives
1: and, and also find out what you truly love. We've learned from our, some of our parents that they got stuck in that job or they grinded it out in that job. And then at some point they found the exact job they wanted. And that was a life changing thing for them. So we have more, we have more ADD for sure in that respect. Yes. Um, but or we have,
0: we're less forgiving if it's not the right fit.
1: Yeah, we're we're quicker to move on and try to find that thing that we're very excited about. I see that. Uh, these are a lot of general general statements. We're, do, we're
0: we're sweeping broad right now. <laughs> but no, no, it's good.
1: But I but I just see that that's the way our generation thinks because life is short and how do you how do you best get to the point that you want to in terms of impact in terms of Uh, what you're passionate about from a professional standpoint.
0: And it's so easy to criticize it because it looks different. It, it like it looks I'm putting my you know I'm, I'm looking down at it uh, like whatever age you are is you look outwardly and like ah they should be doing it another way but again every generation should be optimizing trying new things like i learned a lot from my parents what I should do but I also learned some things I was going to do differently too and that's not, a, that's not that anything was wrong everyone mess, makes the best decision they have available to them at the time we just have way more available to us than we ever had in this global world this very tiny global world that we live in <laughs> so seeing where this is heading it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense And I really I appreciate it, it took us a while to get here to get into the philosophy of really behind what you're building. It's like, oh, an entrepreneur that's on opportunity builds a tech platform. What I've heard in our conversation, it's it's a lot deeper than that for you and this feels like it, it, is this a core purpose? Does this line up with really like what's important to you in the world?
1: Absolutely. This is you know, it's, it's how do you get how do you get out of bed in the morning and work long hours? How do you get up at six, so 68
0: and, hour weeks? We, yeah. got, we still have a few people they are, that are in there, they're, they're shuddering from that comment.
1: Yeah, going from five day work weeks to seven, going from you know, waking up at 7:30 and and getting to work at a normal time to getting up before six and because you're jazzed. yeah, it's just that level of that's where the passion comes from. Is is finding in this particular case is energizing an industry that needs some energizing, some choice, and empowering people with that with that uh, that optionality that they just haven't had. On really, we're not talking about small things here. We're talking about for most people their most critical asset, yes, um, and their and their biggest asset. So it is really important, and and the the money saved, how you what you can do with that money, but also the confidence you can gain from doing it yourself. These are all the things that are really exciting to me and to our team. I think about mm. why this company is is uh, exciting and has got some great initial traction. No,
0: I'd say kudos to you for, for having the vision and driving it forward and, and- kind of quote unquote going all in with the way you built a team and how fast you got it to market and it's interesting if you remove for me just the size of the transaction just take that out as the thing that like, ooh, makes it scary everything about it is the natural trend that everything is on you're just inserted a large transaction that makes it go oh wow that sounds like cause, because it's associated with this thing but everything else is the world we live in there's nothing about what you did that is even out of the box except you've applied it to this large transaction so kudos for you for taking that challenge on you couldn't really pick anything bigger <laughs>
1: Well, and that's the, it's all about the challenge, you know, at the end of the day, you want that, you want that every day. All right, I got this new thing. I got another, another battle, another problem to solve, multiple problems to solve. They have all different flavors. So <laughs> yes, that, that sn- keeps sn- you sn- sn- I doubt you're pops.
0: ever bored. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's, um, how would people get a hold of you? We, I think I have a feeling you and I can really keep going down the rabbit hole, <laughs> which we might after we get offline, but we'll appreciate that everybody only has so much time to listen to podcasts. What's the best way to get a hold of somebody? Well, I'm assuming there's some people quite inspired by your story. I certainly know I am. What's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so uh, we're on all the social platforms. So we have Boat Platform uh, or Boat Canada, I should say, on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. And then uh, hit me up anytime. I'm on LinkedIn, Robert Price, um, and yeah, we're we're here to chat.